Welcome to Postcards from a Rock and Roll Tour, the podcast, episode six. Today is quite a milestone. Not only are we into the sixth month of the podcast, we've now officially been accepted into the Apple affiliate program called the Performance Partner Program. I sound very informative, don't I? And I do keep learning all this new stuff, but truth be told, like most of us, I would imagine, I'm just making life up as I go along. Don't get me wrong, I'm full of plans and desires and ambition. But how does the saying go? When man plans, God laughs. I have this vision in my head of God, who, for the sake of argument, to me looks like a wise middle-aged woman with grey hair, the same as the patriarchal version. Not the beard, mind, just the grey hair. Bent over double in uncontrollable fits of hysterical laughter as she looks at my plans. I mean, come on. What the hell am I doing? Gallivanting round the world in my 60s trying to be a rock drummer and then doing a podcast about it. Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm having the time of my life. But as previously stated, and as we'll find out later in this podcast, it really does come at a cost. Now, before we delve into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I have to say a huge thank you again, and I may end up doing this every month because it's really important, but a huge thank you to everyone that not only listens, but also comments and leaves reviews and sends messages. I see everything and it really does make a difference, a huge difference, in fact, as without you, it would quite literally be like a phone call with one side cut off and me just talking into the emptiness. Rather like doing a gig with no one there. It would just be a sound check. The reviews in particular help with the Apple affiliate programme. So leave one if you have a mind to. I can definitely hear God laughing now. For those that listened to last month's podcast, you would have heard about Go Now's trip to Nashville to play with the symphony and to Loveland, Colorado and the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra in New York. This last month saw us performing the music of the Moody Blues in two venues in the UK, the Eric Morecambe Theatre in Harpenden and the Tivoli Theatre in a little place called Winborn in Somerset. The Tivoli is one of our favourite venues to play anywhere. And I don't say that lightly because we've been lucky enough to play in lots of wonderful places. But the Tivoli is special for a number of reasons. One being the manager, a rather unique gentleman by the name of Charlie North Lewis. Now, Charlie is one of those old school music professionals who really has worked with pretty much everybody in the music industry all over the world and has now carved out a niche at this beautiful 500-seater Art Deco venue in Somerset. The Tivoli was originally built as a theatre and cinema in 1936, but after 40 years of vibrant use, it fell into disrepair and was ultimately just abandoned. If you think it's bad now, which it is of course, just check out Britain in the 1970s. After some lengthy campaigning throughout the 1980s, the Tivoli was fully restored by volunteers and, with great ceremony, reopened in 1993. Now Charlie runs it, and it's not only a cinema again, but it's also a firm favourite for all sorts of artists these days, including some of Britain's top comedians. 
Lee Evans, Eddie Izzard and Al Murray have all been there to do warm-up shows before hitting the stadium tours. The Tivoli also frequently has rockers, such as Wishbone Ash walking the boards. And Charlie's story of having Ginger Baker play there with his band just a few years ago could be a podcast all its own. But on Saturday the 12th of November, Go Now performed for the last time this year the music of the Moody Blues. And it was an amazing show, even though I say so myself. We have further UK dates in the new year, but our next trip to the US with a symphony is on Saturday, March 4th, with the Fort Wayne Symphony in Indiana. Now, back to God and her giggling in my general direction. In episode one, I explained how the pandemic had ripped the bottom out of the music industry, and in particular, all the grand plans I had of touring not only America, but anywhere in the world in 2020. Well, back in 2020, the plan was, by next March, to be doing a three-week tour in the US at least. And so far, because of the hangover of the pandemic, we have just one show. One magnificent show, mind you, with an amazing orchestra, but still just the one. We are looking for more as I speak, and if we're successful, you'll be the first to know. And if there are any theatre owners out there listening to this podcast who happen to be in Indiana or Ohio, please drop me a line. This brings me on to a question that I was asked by a listener to this podcast who also has a band, which was, how do you get gigs? Even if you're a big band with a major booking agent, it is still currently a struggle. I was reading only last week in The Guardian, the Guardian newspaper here in the UK, there are some major UK artists pulling out of US tours because they can't make it pay. Being a professional musician in recent times has turned out, in my opinion, to be one of the most difficult industries, short of being an astronaut or a pro darts player. When I started Go Now back in 2015, coming out of a well-paid position as a session musician with a known band like the Moody Blues and starting my own band seemed like a really good idea. Although I knew what I wanted to do, the question was still hanging in the air. Where on earth do you start? Well, I've often found attempting the impossible to be a good strategy for achieving the merely improbable. When I very first thought of starting my own band, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine who is a lawyer. Incidentally, I told her about this podcast recently and she said, that sounds nice, although I don't listen to them, but whatever you do, don't mention my name. So, for the sake of my friendship, I'll call my friend Kevin. Kevin is of the pragmatic persuasion. When I told her I had a plan to start a band and tour America performing with orchestras, Kevin asked all the right questions. Do you have a manager? Uh, no. Kevin. Do you have a booking agent? Gordy. A booking agent? Uh, no. Kevin. Do you have any money? Gordy. No. Kevin. Do you have a band? Me. Uh, not yet. I think it'll be a huge success, she said, and started to laugh. Come to think of it, that's the second woman in this podcast to do that. However, much like this podcast now becoming part of the Apple affiliate programme, seven years later, I do indeed now have a US manager, a US booking agent, a US digital marketing manager, and a bookkeeper and an accountant in the UK. And they're all women. Thank you, God. 
And to top that, we've already played with several symphonies in the US and have a bunch more booked going into 2024. But I'm still in the position of not having enough gigs right now. So, in order to help fill the huge pandemic financial gap, as you will tell from the subtitle of this podcast, which is From Rockstar to Uber Driver and Back, driving for Uber is one of the vehicles, pun intended, I've used to keep the martial empire teetering along. And, as I've also said in previous episodes, Uber driving has been one of the most fascinating endeavours I've ever undertaken, due to the people I meet. Last month, I picked up a very nice lady by the name of Sean Williams. She was extremely well-spoken and instantly started a conversation. She told me she was on her way to the Natural History Museum in London for the celebrations of 100 years of the BBC. It took a few minutes of peering in the rearview mirror, but it dawned on me I was chatting to THE Sean Williams – one of the BBC's most recognised and long-standing current affairs and breakfast TV presenters. She now has a doctorate in psychology, has written a book called Rise, a first aid kit for getting through tough times, and now has her own weekly programme on Channel 5 News called Mind Matters, which deals with mental health issues. She chats to inspirational people who've had to overcome serious setbacks in life. Before long, we were on to why I was driving an Uber, and shortly after that, we were on to the topic of philosophy, and particularly Stoicism, something I've been reading a lot of recently. There's a great book called Meditations by one of the more well-known Stoics, the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, that I carry around with me. It has quotes in it along the lines of, Be like the rock that the waves keep crashing over. It stands unmoved until the raging of the sea falls still around it. Then this inspiring doctor of psychology and well-known TV presenter quoted Viktor Frankl from the back of the car. I tell you, you could have knocked me over with a feather. Viktor Frankl wrote one of my favourite books of all time called Man's Search for Meaning. And I think I can hear God laughing again. Not because she doesn't like Viktor Frankl, of course. I think it's the gender in the title she finds amusing. After about 40 minutes of in-depth chatting, we pulled up to the Natural History Museum. We both got out, and I lifted Sean's bag out of the back of the car. We shook hands with a smile and said our goodbyes. I decided to leave that part of the day's work on a high and go home and switch into music mode. When I got back to the house, I carried on doing some practice on one of London's West End shows I'm going to be depping on later this month. Now, just to explain the word depping, if you've not heard it before, when you stand in for another musician in the UK, you're referred to as a deputy or a dep, and the noun is depping. In the US, it's called a substitute and the noun is subbing. Now, I'm already depping on the show Wicked, but now I'm learning the percussion and keys three for Hamilton. And boy, is that a roast. And the word roast is a musician's term for it's difficult. You see, this podcast is both entertaining and educational. I mentioned Hamilton as it refers back to how you get a gig. As I was asked also how I got to Depp on Hamilton. Well, it goes like this. I'm depping on Hamilton for a brilliant musician called Aki Yates, who plays in the Hamilton Band in London's West End full-time. 
Aki depped for me for about eight years during the 1990s in a West End show called Fame the Musical. Back then, I was out on tour a lot with the Moody Blues and Aki would cover for me. Then I depped for Aki when he got the gig in the West End show about Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 called Thriller Live. Then Aki went in for me, or depped for me, on Jeff Wayne's The War of the Worlds tour when the Moody Blues went out on tour at the same time, a gig he still does to this day. So now I'm depping for Aki in Hamilton. You've heard the expression musical chairs? Well, that's what the music industry is a lot of the time. A series of random events that coincide in whatever it is you happen to be doing right now. Going from talking about how to get a gig onto the much more important question of why you would want to get a gig. And this is really the crux of why, as musicians, we do what we do. Frederick Nietzsche has two quotes I like. One being, without music, life is a joke. But the other one, relevant to this discussion, is he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. And this touches on why music is so important. If music is your purpose, then you will endure all sorts of setbacks to do what you love. At the Tivoli last month, there were three ladies in the second row who were clearly loving every minute, waving arms in the air, singing along to all the lyrics and looked on in awe as Nick Kendall, our guitarist, ripped out a simply unbelievable guitar solo during Timothy Leary. But it was when we got to Nights in White Satin that they became still. Up to this point, they had clearly been in upbeat mode and now they were serious. I noticed one of them wiping tears from her eyes when we started, and I don't quite know how this invisible force of gentle sound waves can induce tear ducts in someone 30 feet away, but this song clearly hit an emotional spot. At the start of the second chorus, it became too much, and she had to leave. Now, I didn't write the song, I don't even sing it, but the fact that we were performing it live and the impact was so dramatic points to why musicians do what they do. It's because it makes you feel something. Listening to music can make you feel something, of course, but playing it and seeing others feel something when you do is an intoxicating experience. When it goes well, sharing a live performance with an audience dissolves the gap between and is a transcending interaction for both parties. For me, it removes any existential fear of loneliness by the shared connection of the act of performance and the act of listening at the same time and in the same space. And that, my friends, is one of the most important and impressive experiences life has to offer. That's why we want to get a gig if we're a musician and why we want to go to a gig if we're an audience member. And that why will see me enduring all the hows, from Uber driving for as long as necessary, depping in as many West End shows that will have me, and doing anything and everything I can to fill next March with as many gigs as possible. There's one other method, I've been told, that can yield results, and all that's required is for you to repeat after me. Our mother, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank and with that, I have to leave you. But as it's now December, let me be one of the first to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah and Happy Holidays. 
And of course, as the next podcast will arrive on your device on January the 1st, a very happy new year to everybody. See you in the new year. Dear diary, what a day it's been. Dear diary, it's been just like a dream. Woke up too late, wasn't waiting.